0: Again, and let's go ahead and jump right into this Psalm chapter one, or the first Psalm, I should say, Psalm one. I switched gears, didn't I? It wasn't Psalm four, after all. It was Psalm one. If you have a house Bible, there's an index. I just forgot what page it was, guys. Four forty-eight, I believe. If, if you have a house Bible, I think they're located underneath your seats. And uh, we are in week two in a very exciting series for the through the summer Psalms. And uh, you had a great treat last week with Ed Stetzer, and I'm actually going backward a little bit. I want to talk about Psalm 1, and I want you guys to take some notes today, pop it in a phone, or write write some of this down. I have a vision for what can happen through the sermon, and I do believe if we put some of this down, walk together in our community groups, our life groups, in our individual walks. I have seen more transformative work through God's by applying what I'm about to teach you today than anything in my Christian life. Psalm 1, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write down in the way of a sermon title, Developing a Healthy Thought Life. Developing a Healthy Thought Life. Now, before we dive into Psalm 1, let me set this up just a little bit. Life is messy. That was an amen moment. Someone help me out with that. Life is extremely messy. I would say life is beautiful. But interwoven throughout life, there are great struggles. And I don't think there's a person in this room, whether you're a Christian or not, who would not say that they would like life to be different. As a matter of fact, I want you to think right now If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Just think about that. If you could wake up tomorrow and you could defeat and fill in the blank, whatever it is, maybe for some it's anxiety. Maybe for some it's an identity thing. Uh, Maybe for others it's it's a struggle with a relationship or forgiveness or, or whatever it is. Maybe it's just joy or happiness. I want you to put that down in a phone. I want you to write that on the tablet of your hearts. I want you to hold on to it because the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that through salvation, we actually have the power to live that way. We are, we are as a community of Christ followers, designed by the power of the Holy Spirit through salvation to begin to shed these, these great trials and struggles and grow into something new. The possibility of us As a matter of fact, if you think of what the gospel promises before we get into Psalm 1, I want you to hear those familiar words of the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, and my friends, as I read this verse, I want you to think of your life, and if you are in Christ, if you know Christ as your Savior, this is your birthright in Christ. But the fruit of the Spirit, when you're saved, what the Spirit of Jesus produces, guys, is love, joy, peace, patience, amen, parents, kindness, goodness, look at this, faithfulness. We go on in verse 23, if we need to, gentleness. Self-control. And I love how he captures this. Against such things there is no law. There's no way for us to manufacture these things. It is supernaturally poured out upon us, guys. Now watch me. If we could only learn to unlock these things. Like we've got to get in rhythm with the Holy Spirit. Psalm 1, I'm going to teach you this in a minute. But if we could get in rhythm with the movement of the Holy Spirit, this is ours. And I have a vision by the end of this summer, through this Psalm series, experiencing these things a thousand times more in my own life, like I do not want to settle for a Christianity that has anything less than this right here. This is the possibility of the gospel. I was an atheist for for 20 years until I ran into so many walls and I was so exhausted from sinning and I heard this promise of the gospel. Like Christ Christ can empower you to experience these things. And I can declare if you're here and you're not saved, this is true. This this is a true experience. And so it begs the question this morning, if Christ promises those who know him this type of life... How does it happen? Or or ask a a bigger question. These are ultimate realities. These are are large and transcendent questions. But let me ask you this. How does God change a soul? How does he change a soul? Think about that. How does the almighty transcendent God reach into your precious life like on Monday? And how does he transform your soul so you live in joy and love and peace and all those awesome things? Like think about a teenager getting a hold of this right now. Walking into high school like tomorrow or whatever and experiencing this life with Christ. How does it work? I remember when my, my wife, we, we lived in California. Any Californians? Us who used to live in California, who now don't, we're, 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 we're kind of ashamed, aren't we? We're kind of like, yeah, I lived in California. It's, <laughs> it's a mess out there, you know. But my wife, was, uh, my wife does a lot of amazing things. Uh, let me just not go there. My wife is amazing. And uh, my wife, my wife started trying to grow roses and, and she struggled. I got to be careful here, my love. Um, She struggled, you guys, growing these roses. And I remember going to the hardware store and they have a whole section there on, on plant foods, whatever that even means, like plants have mouths or something, right? And I remember us trying thing after thing, Jessica, and we would, we would go home and you'd pour that stuff on or whatever and, and it wouldn't work and we'd go back, blah, blah, blah. And that's how the Christian life feels to so many of us today. We have tried and tried and we have bookshelves littered with books that promise these answers like to unlock and unleash this Christ life. And so I want to unpack it for you today. How does God touch the soul? Where does God tell us to start to be radically changed this summer? Our thought life. God tells us to start with our thinking. Look at Proverbs 4, write this down. I think we'll throw it up behind me. Proverbs 4, what a transformative verse in the Bible, in the book of wisdom. Psalm chapter 4 and verse 23. This is what got a hold of me about 10 years ago. I got too many issues, guys, too many things to try to work on. And I learned that there's a roots, And if I could just start working on the roots, all of the fruit would start to heal. And it was my thoughts. Because from your thoughts, your whole life flows. And so in verse 23, the Bible says, keep your hearts. Now, to a Jew, the heart was the center of thinking or center of emotions. We could translate that to us Western people. Keep your thoughts. Keep your thought life with all vigilance. That's a strong word in the Bible. It means to imprison. It means to build a wall around. In other words, wisdom says protect your minds. Make sure the right things are going on in your minds, and the right things will begin to come out of your life. And the principle in the second half of 23 is outstanding, guys. For from it, our thoughts flow the springs of life. If we want to change our behavior, and it's a process that we're going to do together, but if we want to change anger, or we want to change the way we speak in our homes, or whatever it is, if we want to change the way we see ourselves, when we look in the mirror, we change our thoughts, we change our life, and we really can't outgrow that that movement because God designed the human being to flow from his thought life. And so I could say this, we live at the level of our thoughts. We live at the level of our thoughts. Thinking is the power that shapes us, and I believe this with all my heart, and consequently, it is the most powerful element in the human life. Change the thoughts, change the life. And that is the theme of Psalm 1. Make sure you're there in your device or whatever you have. And I'm going to bear through. I don't think we'll get through the whole thing, my friends. But we're going to touch enough. And we're going to get the right ammo to change our lives this summer. Enter Psalm 1. The theme of Psalm 1 is thought life. And what you're going to see is you're going to see a battle for your thought life, you're going to see a culture that's trying to implant thoughts in your minds. And it's a very elusive battle. And then there's a God in heaven. There's a Father who loves you. And He is trying to speak truth into your minds. And that which ha- who has the loudest voice wins the fights. So I'm going to give you one point. It's enough to think about. I'll throw it up behind me. Take a picture of this on the screen or write this down. I want to I teach you as I'm learning... Thinking your way to transformation. Thinking your way to transformation. We rarely think of, a, of transformation this way. Thinking your way to transformation. Make sure you write that down, and let's get after it. Psalm 1, verse 1. Here we go. Blesseds. look up here. That's it. Just look up here. It's okay. One word. Blessed. That's what every one of us wants. Blessed. Blessed. Now, that's kind of cheesy in our modern-day vernacular. It's like, blessed, you know, this is like, happy is the person. But it's much more deep than that. To the the ancient Jew who would have read this, he would have understood this as something so much more beautiful, guys. When that first word unpacks through this song, and it's it's an amazing song, when the word blessed hits like that first line, that first bar to that first lyric in Psalm 11, it literally means whole. It means a holistic life. Like if you wanna be emotionally, if you wanna be spiritually, if you wanna be mentally whole, if you wanna get there, if you wanna grow in that direction, Blessed, we're about to find out the way in which God authors it to happen. So he goes, Blessed is the man. No, ladies, don't worry, you're in there, okay? Blessed is the woman, blessed is the young adults, blessed is the married couple, blessed is the teenager. And here's how this thing works: holistic, healed life. That's the goal of God through the gospel. Blessed is the man. Now, watch this. He's gonna give us the negative first. And then the positive, he goes, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Did you see the digression in verse 1? Walk, stands, sits. What's going on right there? This is how the psalmist says the wrong thoughts get into our minds. All of us are looking for answers. amen. Someone say amen. There you go. We'll get you there. All of us are looking for answers. Married couples, we're still looking for answers. Single person, you're still... Raise your hand if you're single. No, don't. I'm, I'm trying to help you out today, okay? I'm just... I'm here for many reasons. I'm trying to help you out. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. But but think about it. We're looking for answers. Um, Sometimes people come to my wife and I because we raised two girls. One of them was up here leading music. And, uh, and they say, teach us how to raise kids. And we're like, are you kidding me? We barely got through it. But we're looking, we're looking for answers to life. And so sometimes when we don't get them from the church or we don't, we don't understand them in Scripture, it's very easy, especially in an age of information, to walk, stand, sit. And what that looks like is when, like, you're going to a bus stop or you're catching an Uber or whatever, and today with a device, it's easier than ever. The analogy is beautiful. It's like you're walking, you're thinking about The answers you need for life, as you're on your way to work, and then the second step is you stand. You stop. You stop. Because you you heard someone say, this is how it works. This is what singleness is. This is what marriage should be. This is what you should do if you're struggling in your marriage. This is what you should do if you're a teenager. We hear information. We stop because it's an answer. It's just, it's filling a gap. It's an answer. And then the third and final step to the the digression, walk, stand, sit, is it has our attention. The thought begins to enter the mind, and then we sit down. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but let me just, let me illustrate this. To a Jew, this would have been huge. To sit. is to take the posture of a student. Students sat at the feet of rabbis. This predates rabbis. But nonetheless, the Jew would have, would have realized that this is when you're submitting. And the picture is powerful. It's beautiful. It speaks into our life. When you're looking for answers in this world, and we allow the culture in this world to give us thoughts, and we mull it over, and we begin to believe it, and we take the posture of submission under it, that's when the psalmist says our souls get damaged. He's, he's cautioning us that does not lead to a holistic life. And today we've got to be so careful in an age of information because this seems so harmless. Like our smartphones, right? We're just like, you know, I Googled this, you know, I was looking at that. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm coming out of the Bay Area. Like, I'm not saying it's wrong, but we've got to be so discerning what we allow into our minds from this world, especially when we're struggling. We, we see this as harmless, allowing thought from culture to enter our minds. But do you know, guys, that 10 minutes of meditation on a thought actually physically begins to change your brain? It is no small thing To allow thought to enter the minds. Write this down. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. I think for the longest time I thought I was neutral. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm looking to God and I'm looking to the world and culture for answers in my life. But I'm kind of undecided and I'm right here in the middle. And what I realize is you're never stagnant. You're never stagnant. Depending on what you're allowing to influence your mind, you're always moving either toward God, which creates this peace and wholeness, or you're moving toward the world, which we all know what that, what that does to the soul. We are always becoming. We're these radically progressive creatures. So let's think about the cell phone. Let me just speak about the cell phone for just a minute. And if you have young kids... We need guidance right now with kids and devices. Like, we need, we, need, we need wise guidance right now. How do we navigate when our children are born into technology, like how do we wisely navigate through this? Think about the iPhone. Did anybody have a flip phone? We're gonna date ourselves right now. Dude, how many of you guys still have your flip phone? Don't lie, it's, don't be ashamed. Some of you are like, the Nokia gray guy that was from Star Trek, I got it still. I remember my first flip phone which tells you how old I am. But, but it's all good. They were cool. But if you think about what the phone has done, the phone has changed the game. The phone has changed the thought life game. And what's so interesting, and I'm really studying this right now uh, through John Mark Comer and these guys, the phone is now a contended space. We give the phone great space in our lives, not right, no wrong, But when we allow thoughts from the internet to enter our minds, we have discovered a new contended space. And we are always being confronted with all of these narratives, aren't we? Like there's so many narratives. Like if you're a young adult here or or you're a married couple or, or maybe it's race or whatever it is or gender, whatever it is, it's like there's so many narratives flooding through these devices that are fighting for space in our thinking. And if we allow those thoughts to get a hold of our minds, we will begin to live those things out, and what 1-1 of Psalms says is if we allow God to influence our minds, it will lead to wholeness. Thoughts are like seeds planted. Write, Write this down. This is good. This is good. If we nurture a thought long enough, it will gain our trust. And some of us in this room, starting with me, I have allowed certain thoughts about who I am, what success looks like, whatever, on and on we could go. I have allowed these thoughts to enter my mind, and like a seed planted, I have begun to water them. I have begun to meditate on them. I have begun to nurture them. And those thoughts have now become truth to me. They've become truth to me. And because they've become truth to me, I'm now acting them out. And what I love about the Holy Spirit and the Word and the community of the church is God wants to uproot those seeds, those thought life seeds, and implant His truth in us, in our thinking, and take over and grow those thoughts which are really true so we act out holistic action. And here's the thing we have to remember with our thoughts the power of the minds. When we play thoughts that are not true, when we play them over and over again in our heads for year after year after year after year, they literally can become a reality test. We, we can look at the world through that lens. And that may be what's keeping some of us back today from a holistic life. And I say we start a revolution of thinking as Christ followers, and we find those lies and we uproot those lies. And we plant God's truth in our minds and we're, we're set free in our thinking and we start to see it show up in our lives. My wife and I, we have some, some of you married people, you have this too. We have these sayings in our marriage. And my wife can tell when I'm thinking on lies. You know, we just know each other. And uh, she knows when I'm wrestling with a lie because I'm in unrest. And... Uh, We have a saying we created when we see each other wrestling with lies. Think about what you're thinking about. And if you think about it, with all of these thoughts in our minds, if we are believing lies today, what we need to start doing 30,000 thoughts in a day. The average mind thinks 30,000 thoughts in a day. And what we need to start doing is thinking about what we're thinking about. Like, dude, I'm walking down, like I just, this is like my third week in Chicago. Do you know that? And I'm like walking down Michigan Street and all of these messages are flying at me. 30,000 thoughts. Every one of them is moving me in a direction. And what I had to start doing is thinking about what I was thinking about. And when I identify those thoughts as lies, I had to ask myself, no, what does God say about that? And I had to meditate on God's truth. So my friends, this is a summer of liberation We cannot entertain thoughts about us that God does not think about us. We cannot. So look at Psalm verse 1, Psalm chapter 1, Psalm 1, and look at verse 2. Now let's see the positive side of this. So he says, guard your minds from the culture, guard your mind from lies. Now look at verse 2. Now here's the antithetical swing Here's what we're gonna to do together this summer as a community, and we're gonna be set free. But his delights, so we're not gonna delight in allowing the world implant thought in our minds, which is gonna lead us into the wrong action, but our delights is going to be in the law of the Lord. And on God's law, we're gonna meditate day and night. We're gonna let God's words influence our thinking more than anything, and don't you love the wording? He says, but his delights. It's not a burden when you allow God's truth to get into your minds, when you allow God's truth begin to, to begin to influence your thinking. And as I was looking at verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord's. But the way of the Jesus follower is to allow the law of the Lord to influence his thinking, and he's going to live out godly action, and he's going to be full of delight. But something is interesting about verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. As soon as us contemporary people hear law, we're just like, all right, hang on. That sounds like bondage. What is the law of the Lord? Let, Let me help you with that. That word law means instruction. And I would like to take that further. That word means father speech, Logicon. That's what Peter uses. He says the logicon, the milk of the word, the father speech. Like I want you to think about it this way, guys, as you're navigating a crazy world and a crazy tough life out there, and you're going to work or school or whatever's going on, or you're wrestling with singleness or you're wrestling with your marriage. I want you to think about what's, what you're allowing into your minds, and I want you to ask yourself, what does God say about this? What does God say? He says the hope in all things. He says that transformation is possible. He says that singleness is a gift from God. He says this is the season to be used powerfully in this world. He says that teenage stuff can be awesome. I don't know if he said that, but you know what I mean. He says that teenagers can be full of the Holy Spirit and be free, and, and they can know who they are. They can know their identity in Christ. We've got to walk through this world and, and, and allow the truth of God and see it as Father's speech. Like, here's what I was visualizing as I was walking through the city. My father is trying to speak to me, and I'm a, I'm a little kid. I'm a son, and he's trying to speak to me all day. All these messages are, are flying into my mind, and my father in heaven is going like this, John, 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 no, no, because son, son, son. Listen to my voice. Don't listen to them. Listen to my voice. Here's what I say about it. Gucci ain't got nothing on you, son. (laughs) Don't worry about what they're saying. Don't worry about what you look like. Don't worry about what they see success looks like. Here's what I tell you. And when I hear my father's voice, I delight. The Holy Spirit awakens joy. He awakens peace in the soul. When we grab a hold of God's thought, and Psalm 1-2 says we meditate on it, we hold on to it. And I was walking downtown, you guys, and, uh, and I saw this little kid, this little guy, this little dude. <laughs> I don't know how old he was, but like God will speak to you in crazy ways, guys. And I'm like thinking about this, like, God, you're my father, and I want you to speak to me. I want your thoughts in my head, like, because they bring peace and delight, and I don't want to be forced to think like this world. I don't want to live these actions out anymore, and, and I was feeling the delight of the Lord. I've got this verse in my head all day right now in this, this season I'm in. I just got this verse, I keep saying it to myself and saying it to myself all day. And what was so cool is I saw this little kid and his dad was holding his hand, you guys. It was so cool. And the little kid was like so wowed by all the buildings, you know, and all these people and, 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 and horns honking. You Chicago folk, I love you, but the horn thing is, I gotta get used to that right there, you know. I'm from San Francisco. We do other things. You know, it's crazy out there. But, but this little boy is just looking around, and, and you can see his mind is going 1,000 miles an hour, and it was so cool, so sweet. That father just kept holding him by the hand, and when he saw that little boy start getting distracted, and he could see it in his little boy's eyes, you could tell he was allowing all these thoughts from the city to get into his mind. The father would just go, no, no, son, right here. Hey, right here, right here. And then he would say something to his son, and his son would kind of go, And he would get this huge smile. It's like just being realigned in peace. And that is what our Father in heaven is trying to do. He says, meditate in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night, day and night. We put the truth in our minds. We walk before it all day. First thing in the morning, I gotta get I gotta get God's truth in my mind. What am I struggling with? There's a verse, there's a truth for every lie. I'm gonna put it before me, and I'm gonna walk before this truth, and I'm gonna say it to myself all day. And every time those lies come back through my head, I'm gonna put everything up against it, and I'm gonna say, No, that's not what my father says. That's not what he says. Night and day. Night and day. My friends, I'm gonna wrap this up, but I'm gonna challenge you carry God's truth with you in your minds night and day and let his voice be the loudest. And as that thought gains comfort in your minds it will become second nature to live it out. That's how we transform. So I'm going to shut this down in like 20 minutes. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to give you The equation of transformation. Throw it up there. I have never been good at math, and I have no desire to start now. Some of you people who are math, I almost said geeks, math wizards, you're gonna realize this is the wrong equation. But this summer, if you solve this equation daily, You will never recover in the most glorious way. You will be transformed. And I'm going to give you the answer to this equation, and it will change your life. I will give this to you next Sunday. Let's pray. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Right thinking over time equals growth. That's it. Right thinking over time, equals growth. And so I want to challenge us as we wrap this up. Do we all have rhythms of truth in our lives? I know it's summer, but the Lord's Day, we need truth on the Lord's Day, guys. We need to sing and hear truth preached. Do we have rhythms? Small groups, small groups, you know. Do you realign through the week with people who love you and care about you and and hear your father's truth again and get it back into your mind and like, yes, that's what he says about me. That's what he says about me. How about just you and your father, you and God? Just rhythms in the morning. Like my wife, we don't even talk to each other in the morning. You're like, you got a bad marriage. No, we just know each other. Like she goes in one room, I go in the other because we got to get truth aligned first. We've got to get rhythms where we get God's truth in us and then we can treat each other well. Be with God in the morning. And if we do this, here's the promise, verse 3. He or she is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Whatever season it is, whatever this world throws at us, when the truth is controlling our our minds, we will be stable, we will grow in wholeness, and we will not move. Amen? Let's pray. with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This would be a beautiful time to ask your Father in heaven who loves you to help you see any lies you may believe in, be believing right now about who you are, about your value, about your marriage, about your singleness. Just ask him to reveal lies right now. And we're just praying all over this room that truth falls into every precious mind. And we choose to meditate on what God says. So, Father, we love you. We love the book. And I'm praying for renewal, radical transformation over every soul in this room that we would fight for our thoughts. And that your word would be so sweet. You would awaken affection for the Father's voice through the word of God. And Father, may we build rhythms of transformation that by the end of this summer, we would be a people most whole in this world. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.